Hello, everyone. Welcome to Beyond the Cover. I'm Jeff Ayers, and John, my usual lovely co-host, has decided to bail on me tonight. No, I'm kidding. He's actually uh, taking a test that he's hoping to fail. So um, I hope he fails. Tonight, though, I get the lovely, fun opportunity to chat with one of my favorite authors, Mark Greeny. His new book in the Gray Man series, Relentless, comes out on February 16th, and the following week will be the number one New York Times bestseller, guaranteed. Mark, thanks for taking the time to chat with me tonight. Thanks so much for having me, Jeff. Well, let's, uh, let's dive right into Relentless. What is the gray man having to tackle in the new book? Well, the new book, um, Relentless, shows uh, court sort of back with um, the agency uh, in a, a contract role. Um, there's a, a, a character from the United Arab Emirates who has uh, set up the, the, the U.S. and really the U.S. and the West to attack Iran for his own interests. And uh, court is called into duty uh, in Germany and in, in Venezuela to try and thwart the, uh, the plan of the, of, the, uh, of the villain. Well, let me ask you about Zoya, because Zoya comes into play in the story as well. Um, could you talk a bit about her, and did she sort of play a larger role than you planned when you created her? That's a good question. Um, yes, I sort of, when I created her, she was fun. Her name is Zoya Zakharova, and she's a former uh, Russian um, SVR, which is their foreign intelligence uh, uh, agency. She's a former operative with them who was burned by Russia and now is uh, sort of in the, in the hands of the CIA and, and doing work for them. But she's become court's uh, on-again, off-again love interest in, in the last few books. And I, I don't use her in every book, but uh, she does play a role here and there. And in this book, um, it, it made sense for her to, to be in there. And this was a little bit more of an ensemble cast than in my last novel, uh, which was called One Minute Out. It was more just straight uh, gray man. This one has a little bit more of the uh, characters that have, have uh, come into the series over the last 10 books. I always love it when um, you bring back characters that we're familiar with and sort of, especially like this, as you said, it's an ensemble. Um, I'm a big fan of yeah. like the Mission Impossible, you know, the team yeah. and trying to, yeah, I really like those. Same here, same um, here. I, I like it when you read some of the in books. You know, someone who hasn't read this book, any of the books in the series can pick this book up and understand who everyone is and all that. But if you have been with the series for a longer time, it, it's kind of interesting to see pe people that you hadn't seen in a while and to reconnect with them. Well, I have to admit, being an assassin is clearly not the glamorous job I thought it was. Um, <laughs> so I'm wondering, um, how did the gray man originate? How did he originate? Um, you mean as far as like his backstory or how I came up with him? Um, how you came up with him. How I came up with him. Um, honestly, I was in a bar in El Salvador of all places. And I saw this guy who was American. I could, you know, hear from his voice or whatever. And he just didn't really fit in with the other people that were down there in, in this little dive bar. And, um, and I just sat there drinking beer and looking at the guy and I wanted something to write about. I'd been writing, I hadn't been published, but I'd written a, a couple of books and I just created this backstory for this guy and said, um, you know, he's CIA, but he has to live off the grid in the third world and all this other stuff. And, and literally in the course of an evening, 
I had this idea for a character. And then I went and wrote an entire book with this character at the lead, and I, I gave that to an agent. And the agent said, I really like this character, but the book isn't that great um, because it just wasn't interesting enough. He's like, if you use this character and use this tiny little subplot from the book and expand that into a whole novel, then I think you'll have something. And that w- that turned out to be the gray man. So that's, that's how it all started. Oh, that's absolutely amazing. And I wonder if this guy knows that you based it on him. <laughs> People ask me that all the time. They're like, did you, did you talk to him? Does he know this? And it's like, no, I never spoke to the guy. He could have been, you know, in the, uh, uh, who knows? She, he might have been involved in shipping or something like that. But he, he looked like he could be like an agency guy on the run. So that, that's what I went with. Well, not everyone has a story about, I was in a bar in El Salvador. So I'm wondering, uh, kind of, what is your background? Um, a lot of people who write in this type of genre have worked in special ops or the government at one time or another? Yeah, nothing like that for me. I worked in sort of international business for, for 20, 25 years, something like that. I didn't get published until I was in my uh, 40s. But I was in Guatemala studying Spanish because I was using it every day in my job, and I spoke Spanish sort of because I'd lived in Miami and worked in international business there. But my Spanish wasn't very good, so I was just studying in Guatemala on my own dime for several months. And um, El Salvador, you get on a bus for 20 bucks, and they'll take you down to El Salvador to the beach or, or wherever for the weekend. And that just happened to be where I was. But I was, I was down there uh, really studying Spanish for, for my job at the time. This was obviously before I got published. And that, that's why I was there. It's, it's not a, I don't have a very glamorous story for while I, why I was there, but I created <laughs> – I created a, a glam, gra, glamorous story for this other guy. Well, I, I have to ask, because um, I remember talking to you after I read Gray Man and saying, I don't know how you're going to be able to top this, because the action was so relentless and just yeah. so consuming, and it was so intense and fantastic. And then you're like, oh, I just have to do it. <laughs> so yeah. I'm curious, yeah. especially now, because there's so many in this series, how do you continue to top yourself and make each book better than the previous one? You know, this is a conversation I have with other authors, and it is the tough thing. And, and I realized that, like, karma is getting me because I, I, when I was a, a reader before I was an author, I'm still a reader, but before I was an author, I would sometimes kind of, like, uh, criticize big-name authors because I'm like, you know, they started to phone it in after their eighth book or their ninth book or whatever, and then <laughs> – once I find myself in that position, I'm like, oh, they're not phoning it in. They've used everything that they've come up with, and and I get that. So you're literally always trying to, you know, like mine new resources to get new information and new ideas. And, um, you know, with COVID, uh, in the last year has been tough for me because I didn't get to go do actual physical location research for Relentless because of COVID, but uh, the majority of it takes place in Berlin, and I've spent a lot of time in Germany um, like many, many months and several weeks in, in Berlin. So it, it was a it was a good place to – I'd already planned on it being there, but then when it turned out I wasn't going to be able to do any location travel, it's like, well, if, if you're going to plan a place, it's good you plan a place you've been to seven, eight times. So, uh, you know, this, this year I'm hoping that I'll get to do some location travel for the next book, but it's it's location travel and it's reading and it's watching – movies, it's watching or reading books in other genres. There's all sorts of things that help you come up with new fodder for your books, but it definitely gets tougher and tougher the more you do. 
Well, you, you do such an amazing job, I have to say. Um, Thank you. How, so, oh, oh, absolutely. I'm one of your biggest fans, but don't, don't tell uh, John that. Um, <laughs> so sort of in the same vein, um, you have to keep the action intense, and you also have to be original. You can't have them, you know, hit the villain with a fish three in three books. <laughs> so how, how, do you, um, how do you sort of balance that? It, it's another thing that gets tougher and tougher. I used to, when I used to write the Tom Clancy novels, I wrote three books with Tom Clancy before he died and four after he passed away, um, or Jack Ryan books. I, I remember having a conversation with my editor, and I was like, you know, when, when it gets to the point where I realize it's the second nice, nice fight in the hot tub, you know that you've, gone, you've stayed in the, with the series for too long, and you should have stepped away before that. And I was afraid that I was going to get to that point. Like I, I felt like I'd sort of done everything. Um, but there, there's many times while I'm writing, I will be right in the middle of a scene. I've, maybe I've written five pages in a scene with action, and I think, well, this is a little bit like support and defend 2013, or this is a little – even um, I did a, a little bit of ghostwriting where my name doesn't appear on the book, and I've caught myself doing something that's sort of like in one of my books that doesn't even have my name on it, and I could totally get away with it. But still, I kind of feel bad, and I feel like, no, you don't want to be the guy that's rehashing stuff, whether or not anybody else knows it or not. So um, it's, it's work to come up with new things, but every now and then I'll just see something on TV, or I do a lot of training with firearms myself, and there's some, something sort of like comes to mind, and, and I expand it. It's just, it's just combining actual knowledge with imagination in the right, in the right <laughs> level to, to keep it fresh. Well, I... Again, I have to say, you do an amazing job keeping things fresh, and I have read authors where you think they're phoning it in. I've never felt that way with your stuff at all. So, Thank you. Um, Thank you for saying that. Oh, and, and uh, I'm, I'm keeping an eye on you, though. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about Clancy a minute. How did you get the gig writing some of the Clancy novels? And I know you're not Tom Clancy, even though you've been to signings where they've said that to you. <laughs> I must have told you that. Yes, when I would um, after Tom passed, they they had me go out and, and sign books. It obviously had his name and my name on it. And uh, and yeah, there were times where people would just tell me how much they enjoyed Red October and how much my career has meant to them. And and I always felt like uh, you know I, I hate to break it to them. You know, I have two pieces of bad news for this person. But um, I, I initially I had written. I just turned in the third book in the Gray Man series, Ballistic. I turned that into my editor, and I was waiting to hear what he thought of it. And he wasn't replying, and he wasn't replying, and he wasn't replying. And I was, like, internally freaking out that he didn't like it. But it turned out he was had bigger fish to fry. He was looking for a new co-author for Tom Clancy. He was also Tom Clancy's editor. And uh, they, they came to me one day, and they said, would you be interested in this? And I And I – was terrified of the prospect, but I also knew that it was something I had to do. I had to, you know, step up and do it. And uh, and then I sort of tried out for the role. They they asked me if I was interested, and then uh, I, I didn't immediately get the gig, but I realized, you know, like I wanted this. And so I was a huge Clancy fan from almost the beginning, and I'd read every one of his books multiple times. So I just – wrote 25 or 30 pages as if I was writing a Tom Clancy novel. It was right in the middle of a book, and it was something that I never used in anything else. It was just a scene. 
and uh, and it showed all the characters and you know their relationships with one another and all that sort of stuff because I felt like I knew that pretty well, and uh, and I got the job from that. Oh, that's fantastic! Oh, I absolutely love that. Um, yeah, if I got so offered something like that. I think I'd run screaming from the room. <laughs> <laughs> Well, th- my whole thing was I don't want to do this, but, you know, like I was scared, but I was like my agent will never look me in the eyes again if I pass uh, doing a Tom Clancy novel. So it was one of those things where it's like, okay, you got to put your big board pants on and, and act like you can handle this. And, uh, you know, I was nervous when I met Tom and, you know, the whole, the whole process, you know, it, was a bit, it, it all worked out incredibly well. I did seven novels in six years, so – you know, it, I'm I'm happy with everything that I did, but it was uh, you know it was a bunch it was a bunch of firsts for me. <laughs> <laughs> what did you learn from doing the Clancy that helped you with your writing for Grayman? Honestly, it, it, it's kind of hard to put into words, but it was the this knowledge that I can go wider with a story and deeper with a story at the same time. It was kind of a freedom. I mean, my own books became longer once I started working with, with Clancy, which is, you know, the Clancy effect, I guess. Um, and I'm okay with that. Uh, you know, I, I, I don't ever want them to be boring or there to be information in there that's not, you know, relevant to the story. But I like big stories. And, and when, I'm, when I'm writing a book now, every time I start writing a Gray Man book, it's like, all right, I'm going to back this one back to 130,000 words or 140,000 words, and they all end up 160, 165, 170,000 words, which are big books. But as I'm writing it, I'm thinking, well, you know, it would be really interesting if this person, you know, like if if there was another set of eyes on this part of the story it, to for the reader to see things through a different way, and then you create a whole other character or another subplot or something and it's nice to have the freedom to do that. And working with Clancy, the Clancy world, it was a lot of characters. It was a lot of different um, sort of like storylines that, that all had to mesh together at the right point. And, uh, and, th- and that carried over into my Gray Man. But, but my fourth Gray Man book was called uh, Dead Eye, and that was the first one that came out after I'd started working with Clancy. And uh, I look at that book as sort of the first book in a new series. The first three Gray Man books are, are of one piece. And then after that, it sort of turned into a different type of a story. Okay, that's, that's interesting. I'm going to have to go back and look now. Um, <laughs> you also wrote, a, you co-authored a book with uh, the Marine named Rawlings uh, called mm-hmm. uh, Red Metal. How did that come right. Well, that came about, I was doing research for a Clancy book in D.C., and I was going to the Pentagon, and I heard from a a lieutenant colonel in the Marine Corps, active duty, who worked at the Pentagon, roughly about the time I was planning on going up there. And uh, he was like, hey, I'd love to buy you lunch or whatever. He he was a writer and hadn't been published, but wanted to kind of pick my brain. And honestly, you get that a lot, you know, but at but he was an interesting guy, and I kind of looked at his bio, and, and I was like, oh, I would love to meet this guy. So when I was up there, um, he gave me a tour at the Pentagon. And then over the next three years or so, we just became really, really good friends. And he was working on a book, and then we would just start talking about things, not as if we were going to write a book together, but just about ideas about Russia and the U.S. and 
uh, sort of the parody of the military and all that sort of stuff. And there was just this moment, like we would, a lot of times we would text each other back around at five something in the morning, we both get up early and we were just texting one morning about this idea or that idea. And I said, you need, you and I need to write a book together. I can go out and get us a book deal and, uh, and then we could write it together. And, um, and, and it ended up happening. I mean, we met in 2013 and I think we, planned on getting the doing the book in 2017 and it came out in 2019 so it was a it was a long process but it uh it was really really great and, and he and i are doing a sequel to red metal um as soon as covid lets us you know <laughs> lightens up enough to where we can actually do some travel because we'll have to we're going to do this one in asia so we need to spend a lot of time in the philippines and in japan and taiwan so we um I'm not sure when the next one will come out, but it was a great experience, and I'm really happy I get to do it again. That's awesome, and I'm glad to hear there's a sequel potentially coming. Um, do yeah. you have plans to Do you have plans to co-author with other folks? Because I know that uh, a lot of writers tend to do the you know co-authoring gigs as well as do standalones. Yeah, you know, I did obviously. Um, I don't yeah. have. Any other plans to to co-author? Although I, I have a couple of ideas um, that are more almost in the sort of if you could picture romantic suspense and espionage together. And I think you know I am not a romantic suspense author, and to do to do this story really really well, I would need to work with somebody else. That's just one example of like an idea I have, and uh, you know I think well I could do it myself, but if I if I really want to make it good it's gonna it's more it's more than i can handle so i get these kind of ideas that so i I imagine it will happen again i've i really enjoyed working with rip and working with tom clancy and um and as i said earlier i I did some ghost writing and i really enjoyed working with with the guy that i i worked with then and um i've had i've had really really good luck i have some friends who are authors who haven't had great experiences co-authoring so i guess it it has a lot to do with the personality just like anything else when you're when you're sort of shoulder to shoulder with somebody, you've got to get along with them. But, um, you know, I think in the future it'll probably happen some more. Well, how do you plot out your books? Um, you know, because you, when you're co-authoring with somebody, it's got to be a different process than when you're writing by yourself. What? what how, well, how do you plot them out? You mean how do I plot them out when I'm working with somebody else? Or, or, just, in, or just in general? Yeah, in, in general it's kind of seat of the pants. Um, I do make a little outline, uh, just bullet points of, of what I want the story to be about and where I want the, the notes of the story to go, but it's not a big deal. And sometimes I'll kind of write out, or really earlier in my career, I would write out 10 pages or so, like a little story about what the book is about. Uh, I haven't done that in the last couple books for some reason. When I wrote Red Metal with Rip, it was such a big military novel with so many moving parts. Uh, I told him before we even presented it to an agent or editor, I said, let's come up with like a, a, a strict outline because I'm going to go away and write part of it. You're going to go away, write part of it. And we need to know what's going on. So we actually wrote this 91 chapter outline, which I won't say that the final book looks exactly like the outline, but it was, it, it was that it was a roadmap that we needed be, um, so we could, you know, make something like that happen. Um, so it's different for different books. I'm I'm writing a book right now, which I'm just kind of doing by the seat of my pants, and it's going uh, pretty fairly. I should probably have a little bit more of a 
uh, an outline. An outline just sort of like lowers my anxiety level. If it does nothing else, it just makes me think like I know where I'm going. But uh, at the end of the day, it's not it's not totally necessary. Well, yeah, for, for myself, I have uh, what I call my roadmap. So the idea is that I know I'm going from point A to point B, and I know all the elements on that road. I can take side detours and everything else on the map, but as yeah. long as I have those elements in, I'm fine. So yeah, my yeah, outline is like three to four pages that's or something like that. That's right, and 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 then I've I've met people along the way in this career who are trying to get published, and they when when you talk to them or, or look at what they're working on or whatever, friends, you will see that like, oh my gosh, this is a person that has to have everything perfect before they'll write the first page, <laughs> and you know that's that that works against you at some point, unfortunately, and it's like you have to take that leap of faith that. You know, you just start writing the book. It's great to have, you know, ideas, but if, you, if some people literally have to have every, you know, chapter and every little thing worked out before they write the first page, and, and I, I worry about those people that they're never going to write their book because it's never going to be perfect. It's not going to be perfect when you turn it into an agent the first time. It's going to just be the best you can make it, and I think that's how you should do it. I think most books that get published – have errors in them too. So, <laughs> no, for sure. You know, yeah, and at that point, yeah. it's gone through, gosh knows how many levels of uh, of copy editing and proofreading or whatever. And every one of my books has got errors in it. Believe me, I get the emails all day long about, you know, <laughs> this 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 helicopter you wouldn't be able to reach between the seats and and grab the gun like the guy did or or, or whatever, you know. And and uh, there's there's always errors. <laughs> um. My wife uh, saw me writing the other day, and she noticed I was listening to uh, instrumental music. And she said, why are you listening to instrumental music? And I said, well, it's the soundtrack in my mind as I'm writing. Mm -hmm. So I'm curious, yeah. do you listen to music or use the soundtrack when you're writing? I, what, what I usually do is I listen to the sound of rain. It's just basically white noise, but it's white noise that I like. And it helps me focus a little bit. Um, I have listened to classical music and, like, uh, movie soundtracks. I don't know if you've tried that before, but that's kind of actually fun. Um, just mu movie soundtracks is just sort of instrumental, like the Jason Bourne stuff or, or whatever. You oh, know, that's yeah. kind of fun to, to listen to. I do get a little distracted doing that, so I don't do it that much. Um, but there have been times where I'm like, all right, I'm going to put on Ride of the Valkyries by Wagner and, uh, and write this scene. And... Um, I'm I'm one of those people that you know if there's a shiny object that's I get taken out of my writing and, and focus on that and um, so the white noise works better for me honestly. Okay, that's cool. I'm, I'm gonna have to actually, I'm gonna try that and see if that helps me because um, yeah, see, see if it works for you. It, it, it might it might put you to sleep. That's another possibility. <laughs> yeah, well, we don't want that for sure. Yeah, no. Um, I, if I'm answering emails and stuff, I listen to, you know, pop music. But mm -hmm. if it's writing, I can't have people singing lyrics because then I'll start yeah, getting distracted. Absolutely. I, I'm the same way. There's anything with lyrics, I, I would be totally, like, I would have no focus whatsoever. Yeah. Um, so let's – I have to ask you, when I told my daughter, who I was talking to tonight – she pulls out her phone and shows me a fan art movie poster for The Gray Man. <laughs> and 
<laughs> I have to talk to you about this movie because, you know, when I heard initially they were going to make this movie, I was worried they were going to cast someone like Gilbert Gottfried to play court. <laughs> <laughs> but you've got such a fantastic cast. You've got Ryan Gosling. You've got Chris Evans. You've got the Russo brothers involved. You've got to tell me the story about how this all came to be. Well, how it all came to be is the Russo brothers. <laughs> I didn't go out and get Ryan Gosling or Chris Evans, as you can imagine. Um, no, it, it, it's, it's a long saga. I, I sold the, the film option, or I optioned the Gray Man film before the book came out, like a month before it came out. So it was like August or September of 2009 is when I did my first option. And I'd never had a book out. It was a small paperback, uh, mass market paperback novel. It wasn't like some book that went to auction and there was everybody was looking at it or whatever. It was, it, was a very, it was no big deal, but it resonated with some people in Hollywood. And I got a couple of offers and I optioned it. And that was with a, a, a studio called New Regency. And after a few years, the option came back to me, and Sony picked it up. And we. Uh, they, they, I guess, presented it to the Russo brothers, or actually some independent producers presented it to the Russo brothers, and they liked it. And Anthony and Joe Russo had me come out to L.A. and spend a couple of days with them um, talking about uh, less about the Gray Man, the first Gray Man novel, which is the one that they wrote the screenplay to, but um, more about, like, where the story goes and all this other stuff because they wanted to know all that. And then uh, – and then Joe Russo went and wrote a script, and I loved the script, but then a bunch of changes happened at Sony, and everything sort of like fell by the wayside for a while, and I, the, the Russos were out of the project for, for a few years, and you know, I was just, it was just sort of like this thing that almost happened but didn't happen. And I, I, I'm one of those glasses half full type of guys, so I wasn't running around whining about it. I was like, hey, my series is doing well. I got some money for a movie option for a movie that never happened, but that happens a lot and no big deal. And so I wasn't like dejected or sad about the process or anything. It was just like, you know, I felt like I got close, but not close enough. And then literally just out of the blue early this year, my agent in Hollywood just started saying that the Russo brothers were back involved with it and they're reaching out to Ryan Gosling. And, and that was, you know, I'd, I'd heard over 12 years, I'd heard so many different stories. I've heard 15 actors named, and, and Brad Pitt was attached to it for a while, and, and it got pretty far once before. And so I, I knew not to really believe it. I didn't really think think that much about it. And then suddenly it all sort of fell together, and they're, they're going to start uh, uh, shooting it at the end of this month or early in February. Well, from everything I've read, uh, Netflix sees this as a franchise. So this mm -hmm. is not going to be the only one. Sounds like they're going to do more of your books. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think so too. Um, the Russo brothers did this uh, film called Extraction, um, and it did so well on Netflix that they're doing an Extraction too. I mean, it just did mind-bogglingly well, and it's, a, it's, a, it's another sort of action thriller type of a story. And it was from a screenplay that Joe Russo wrote as well, just as he wrote a version of the, the Gray Man screenplay. Um, there's been other screenwriters that have, have worked on it after Joe, but, I mean, it's basically his screenplay. And, um, you know, I, I think that they have a, you know, things worked really well with them with Netflix, with Extraction, so I think that looks good for 
me perhaps getting a series out of this. And I, I really hope, you know, as the, as the author, honestly, it's a, the movie is an incredible advertisement for your novel, you know, for your books, for your series. And, and that's how I look at it. You know, it's like it, they'll make some changes, they'll do their thing, whatever. It's, they're two different mediums, and it has to be that way. But I'm in really good hands, and they have a great cast, and, you know, it looks like they're putting the budget into it that can make it really great. So I'm, I'm incredibly excited about it. Well, you get an opportunity to actually, assuming that um, things open up a bit more, to possibly see filming? Um, I don't know. I don't. I probably not. Probably not. I, um, I haven't talked to anybody about anything like that. And you know, to be perfectly honest with you, I write two books a year, and um, I, have, I have a. You know, this book is coming out. Relentless is about to come out, and my 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 dance card is so full. Like if somebody told me <laughs> that you know I'm, I needed to go add something else for a few days, I'd really have to work it out. Obviously, with COVID, um, you know, I haven't gone anywhere in a while. So, you know, I've gone from traveling 160 days a year to, uh, you know, being at home 360 days, of, you know, the last however many days. So, I mean, who knows what will happen. But, um, yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm the guy that writes the books, and they're the people that make the movies, and uh, it's probably the best for both of us. Well, I don't know how you do two books a year and do it so well. So thank you for continuing to do that. Um, thank you. So my last question, um, and this is not saying I want you to stop writing Gray Man, but do you have any plans to do like a standalone novel or do a spin-off series with one of your other characters from these books? No. You know, I've talked about it uh, and I've thought about it. But I don't have any immediate plans. I do have another series that I'm starting. Um, I wrote a an original audio play, um, not an not just an audio book, but an audio play where they actually have actors and sound effects and everything. I wrote that for Audible, which they, they've yet to record because of COVID. They were supposed to do it last May, but I mean, it's, as you can imagine, there's 30 something actors. They all have to be in a, a small room together doing speaking parts. So. Um, yeah. They haven't been able to film it, but I'm writing a, a novel of that same story. It's, I've also optioned that to Hollywood. Uh, Michael Bay and a producer named Erwin Stoff um, optioned that last year. And so I'm writing the novelization of that first book. It's called Armored, and, uh, and I have a deal to write another book after that. So I, I have this other series that has cropped up. So I have another Red Metal to write, and then I have uh, the two books in the Armored series as well as the Gray Man books, which uh, I sure hope keep coming out once a year. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm excited to hear that um, I'm going to have, at least for myself to read, a bunch of stuff from you in the near future here. That's super exciting. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So, uh, Mark, I wanted to say thanks again. It's been a blast talking to you. And um, once again, the new novel, Relentless, comes out on February 16th. Read it. It's fantastic, and, of course, I can't wait to see the movie version also of Gray Men. So, Mark, thanks again. Thanks so much, Jeff. Always a good time talking to you.